the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. No words. Speed away. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, um, you know, things change. I, I decided to to drop what I was doing. I was going to be looking at some of the emotion lessons I had done. But on Wednesday night, we are going to start working through 1 Thessalonians, and... Um, I want to make these lessons a little more in-depth on Wednesday nights than I have been. So I thought I'm going to work through these more, and with that, uh, I'm going to do them for the radio program too, because this takes up a lot of time trying to get this lesson done, the class, the Sunday morning, Sunday night. So you're not going to get an introduction to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. But we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. I don't know if we'll get through all ver- 10 verses on a Wednesday night, but we'll try. We're going to take our time through it. But let's start by looking at the first couple of verses, 1 and 2. Paul writes. Now, oh, you know what? I will say this. Uh, Paul, for as far as the introduction goes, Paul uh, established the Thessalonian congregation um on the second missionary journey, I'm pretty sure it was second, yeah, second missionary journey, and he as uh, he came there after being driven out of Philippi, if you remember, and then he got driven out of the Thessalonian uh, uh, Thessalonica as well. So he wasn't there very long, as long as he would normally like to be, and so he was worried for them. So he writes this letter pretty quickly, not too long after he leaves. He does it from Corinth, I think. And he writes to them because he's got a concern about their salvation and and standing firm in the face of persecution. So he opens the letter and he says, Paul and Salvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our Prayer. So, the greeting is uh, unusual since it is the shortest and simplest greeting of any of Paul's uh, letters. Silvanus and uh, Timothy are both included as authors. Uh, we see the, the we and the our pronouns uh, in verse 2 and in chapter 2 and other places as well. But Paul unmistakably was the primary author of this letter. We know that. It's indicated. We see that also throughout. It's always, I think, difficult to know to what extent the others listed in the salutation participated in the writings of any letter, certainly. Here, uh, uh, Silas, which is Sylvanus, 
Timothy, they may be included because they shared in the mission effort, perhaps, there in Thessalonica. But we cannot rule out that they may have assisted Paul in drafting the final copy. Maybe Paul was writing or thinking about it, discussing it with them, and they would give feedback uh, back to, well, yeah, I like that, sounds good, or or, what about this or that, and spurring some thoughts and ideas in Paul's mind. Now, Salvanus, again, most likely the Salus, Silas of Acts, like Paul, known as Saul. Salvanus was his Roman name. Silas is his Hebrew name. Um, I don't want to get too much into that, though. But the uh, carrier of a letter uh, was often mentioned in the ancient epistles in order to link them with the writer. This may have been to guarantee you know, that what he had to say in interpreting the letter was indeed authorized by the writer. So Timothy... Seems to have been dispatched, I think, back to Thessalonica to see how the new congregation fared. We see that in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And would have been the likely carrier of this letter. So that's why he's also mentioned there. But note also that Paul does not identify himself as an apostle or a bondservant of Christ like he normally does. This might be due to the fact that there was no need to confirm his authority to them. It has only been a few months since he was in Thessalonica, and in sending the letter, there are no real issues he must address that might need a reminder of his apostolic authority. The letter is addressed to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We would normally expect to find a statement that the church was in Christ rather than in God the Father, but this may be significant for those who have turned from idols to serve a living God. We read in verse 9. Now, here in his greeting, Paul may be indicating that the church's existence in Thessalonica was determined by God, and so its people were to live out their lives in the presence of a living God. So after the greeting, Paul begins his affirmation. He gives thanks first there in verse 2 to God for them. And note that in these prayers, Paul doesn't say that he's asking God to relieve them of their physical problems. He doesn't ask God to relieve them of their suffering. Rather, he expresses gratitude to God for the fact that they are Christians and for their way for the way they they handle their physical tribulation. This expression, give thanks, is modified by three things. Making mention of you, bearing in mind, and knowing. Making mention of you in our prayers tells us how Paul accomplishes this, giving thanks for them. He says we, telling them about these prayers, that would of course include Timothy and Silas, We may imagine the three coming together uh, maybe every morning and thanking God for the progress of the gospel there in Thessalonica. Then you got making mention might indicate a verbalization of the prayers. Uh, They're praying aloud in one another's hearing. And likely they would have uttered specific names. The other two uh, tell the motivation for Paul's thankfulness. There, verse 3, bearing in mind. Uh, Verse 3 says, Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. 
now constantly, that's unceasingly really, is difficult to really nail down when you like look at the Greek word. It, 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 whether it goes with the participle or with what precedes, praying constantly, I think the context favors that it goes with praying. And it would indicate that these missionaries, Paul, Timothy, Silas, are unceasingly offering up thanks. You got that phrase, bearing in mind. That just means remembering. And so Paul and the others in their prayers are recalling what they saw in the Thessalonians and what they have heard about them since their departure. And there's three things they remember. Their work of faith, that's their, uh, he says there. And this is work that is produced by their faith. In fact, what Paul sees in their work gives him evidence of their faith. Uh, remember what James tells us over in James chapter 2? Uh, was that around 14? He teaches that faith without works is useless and suggests that the only way you can see or know that a man has faith is in his work. So here we got the Thessalonians. They got, they're exhibiting that. That's good. Second, Paul says, their labor of love. Um, that word labor there is a term that means tireless effort. It can carry the idea of working to exhaustion or weariness. And it's of love. It suggests that this is effort emanating from their love. So their labors are now motivated by their love for the Lord and love for the brothers. That's you know what Jesus wants, the, the Number one commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They're doing that. Fantastic. That's what we're looking for. That's what Paul's looking for. Number three, their steadfastness of hope. Steadfastness means to persevere or remain under difficult circumstances. That's what that's talking about. These are people who keep on keeping on. Because of their hope. Hope. Now this is, again, I know I, I repeat this a lot, but this is not a, a wish. You know, I wish I may, I wish I hope, uh, might, I mean. It's not that. It's the heavenly and eternal expectation that we have when this life is done. The endurance of persecution and putting up with tribulation, you know, they're being under this difficulty, is evidence that the Thessalonians have this hope. That is, they are confident of what they will receive when this life is over. This anticipated hope is what keeps them strong and keeps them faithful. Okay, verse 4. I'm going to title verse 4, Knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G. Another motivation for the giving of thanks is found in that word, knowing. It is because these missionaries know, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, they know that God has chosen these brethren at Thessalonica that they eagerly give thanks for them. Uh, let's read verse 4. I should have read that already. Knowing brethren beloved by God, his choice of you. Choice. That's a similar to our English word in the Greek for elect. It points to the idea of a selection. Genuine Christians have been elected or 
chosen by God for salvation. This is parallel to our choosing teams to play baseball or basketball. We make selections from the various possibilities. Here, Paul is saying that God chooses the Thessalonians to be on his team, to work with him, and to receive his reward. When you consider what it means to be chosen of God, you recognize that nothing in this realm could compare with it. Note also the use of beloved by God, which would evoke within the Thessalonians a sense of belonging. Even if rejected by the world, they may have confidence that they are accepted by God. The word knowing expresses confidence that Paul and his companions know for certain that the Thessalonians are a part of the chosen of God. Two reasons for this knowing are laid out for us. Look at verse 5. And, I, and this is, uh, Paul knows this because of the way they were called by God. Verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. We are going to spend some time on this because it is important we understand it. God calls us or chooses us, elects us, by means of the gospel. <laughs> That's important. Uh, you can look at 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14 uh, later. I'm not going to read it here. But note what Paul says about how the gospel came to them and how he knew of God's choice of them. This wasn't something where, you know, God picked you and you had no choice over it. It just happens whether you're good or bad. doesn't matter. You're going to heaven. What is that called? Unconditional election, as Calvin says. No, not at all. It's based on the gospel and how they receive it. And Paul brings that up. So he says, not in word only. The words spoken, of course, are important, but any preacher can give words, even false preachers. How does one know that what he has, uh, or that he has the truth when a preacher speaks? Today, we have the privilege of comparing what is said with the revealed word we have here in, in our Bibles. Yet the Thessalonians did not possess our, our Bibles today. And in fact, I think maybe First Thessalonians may be the first written letter of the New Testament. Uh, maybe not. Some think it might be Mark or uh, maybe Galatians, possibly. But I think First Thessalonians is the first one. So, it's hard for them to confirm. Confirmation for the message of Paul and the missionaries had to come from God. So, he uses the term power and Holy Spirit and uh, full conviction. Let's look at those. What is power? Now, some say miraculous, some say uh, other things, and those are possibilities. I, I think he's saying that the gospel came with the transforming ability to take these idolatrous pagan Thessalonians and turn them into followers of the one 
true God. This is the saving power of the gospel. Romans 1.16. In fact, I'm going to turn my Bible over there and read that to you. Over the very beginning of Romans, I like the way Paul says this there. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power is in the word of God, not us. That's where it's found in the word. It confirms the message was not merely a human philosophy, but a revelation from God. The fact of what it did to transform their lives. Okay, now on to the hard part. Holy Spirit. Uh, Our translators of the New American Standard have that capitalized. They believe, if you read the foreword of your Bible, generally they believe that's the third person of the Godhead. Now, that might be, but I'm going to show you in context how that really cannot be. I think we only have a couple of options here. Um, This could be uh, the spirit of Paul. It could be um, the spirit of the Thessalonians. Uh, It could be uh, miraculous power. Uh, I think uh, some believe that uh, a lot of folks think, I think that's what Linsky thinks, is the, mirac- the miraculous power. But uh, I don't think it can be the third person of the Godhead. And I'll be deal with that first, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Number one, uh, you, uh, no, verse five, for our gospel did not come to you. So this is coming from Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. And what kind of men we prove, prove to be among you. So it's something they saw, the Thessalonians. But here's the key is in verse 6. You also became imitators of us. Based on what? Based on what they saw in these three men. Can you imitate be, having the third person of the Godhead in you, if that's what you believe? You cannot imitate that. It should not be that. I don't think it can be that. It doesn't fit the context. Can this be the miraculous? Well, this would definitely be something they saw in them. And I believe Paul would have laid his hands on some of the, on the Thessalonians, and some of them would receive the, uh, the miraculous power. And so they could imitate, I guess you could say, the things that uh, they saw from Paul and Timothy and Sylvanus. But I think it's talking about... Not only did they, uh, the, this gospel show a transformation in their own lives, that's the power, but they could also see that transformation in the person of Paul. He had a different spirit. It was a spirit holy. And I don't like also that the New American Standard throws in the word the, the definite article there. And it's okay that they do that. They do that in a lot of places. It doesn't always uh, change uh, the what the what's being said there, but it does in our minds because when I read this and I say uh, the word, uh, nope, verse five, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. When I say the, it sounds very specific, doesn't it? Uh, just like uh, in the Old Testament, when you say an angel of the Lord, you go and you pick just. Which, which angel? An angel. It doesn't matter. Just grab an angel. But if it says, the angel of the Lord, we know in our minds that's specific. There is a specific angel in mind there. 
the definite article, the, is not in the Greek. Now, this is not a strong argument to make, I don't think, but in some places, I think it does change things. Literally, let me read you what it says literally from the Greek. Let me get my Bible, Greek Bible here. Verse 5, it says this, Because the gospel of us became not to you in word only, but also in power and in spirit holy and assurance much, as ye know what sort we were among you because of you. See, then that change our our mindset on that. So, not only did it come in word only, but power in that it transformed your lives. You also saw in us, <laughs> Paul and Timothy and Silas, a, a different spirit, the same kind of spirit that you are now imitating, as we'll see in verse 6. So, with full conviction also suggests, uh, some suggest this phrase applies to the Thessalonians, but it, it, it seems to indicate that this is the means by which the gospel came to them. Um, and it has to do with the missionaries and themselves. It speaks of Paul's absolute assurance of the truthfulness of the message that he is preaching. He knew it to be from God and that it was the only way of salvation. And this understanding is further confirmed by that next phrase, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. So this indicates this full conviction or assurance. In other words, Paul and the others believe what they taught. And that's why they live the way they live in the presence of the Thessalonians. Their lives were consistent with the message they brought because they were fully convinced that this message was God's will. So again, not in word only. That is, they didn't just come and preach and leave, but it changed the Thessalonians. The, the words preached. It had power. They could the, the spirit that they see and saw in these men, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, as we'll see in verse 6, they imitated it because of their attitudes they could see the full conviction of them, full assurance that they knew of the truthfulness of the things they preached. It wasn't just, we think this is a good idea, you know, but they really brought it into their own lives. And so they're, now that Thessalonians are bringing it into their own lives, and it changed them for, the good, for better. Uh, let's see, we got a few minutes. Let's see what we can do here with verse 6. So we got the two reasons for knowing is... As we just saw, he knows this because of the way they were called by God. And second, found in verses 6 through 10, he knows they are chosen of God because of their response to God's calling them through the gospel. So in verses 6 through 8, Paul notes the manner in which they received the word of God. We'll probably look at verse 6 and then uh, we'll end it there and have to come back and refresh this and, and finish it up next week. So I'll probably have to do that for Wednesday night also. But in, in verses 6 through 8, Paul notes the manner uh, in which they received the word of God. They uh, let's, yeah, they imitated, that's our, say, that Greek word is where we get our English word mimic. So they imitated the preachers and the Lord in how they accepted God's call. It says, you also became imitators of us 
and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, like Jesus and the preachers, the Thessalonians were so convinced of the truth that even persecution would not hinder them from doing what God required of them. Now, that expression, in the joy of the Holy Spirit, again, this brings some challenges to our interpretation. Certainly the contrast between tribulation and joy should be noted. The pressure was brought to bear by those outside of Christ. But there is only this one response of joy on the part of these new Christians. To respond to tribulation with joy is not a natural manner of reaction, is it? We don't do that in this world. Yet for a Christian, rejoicing is possible even in the face of personal suffering because the teachings given and confirmed by the Holy Spirit has assured, has assured, them, assured them of something greater than whatever happens to them in this realm. I'm going to work on that. I, uh, confirmed by the Holy Spirit in the sense of the miraculous, but that would make the previous section be miraculous also. I don't think so. I think that is going to be a change of their spirit. And you're, you're probably thinking, well, why do you think that, Chris? And I want to get more detail on that, but I don't think I have the time today. So you now, now you're going to have to come back next week. What does Chris mean? And I'm, I'm going to give you... I want to be able to give you all the possibilities here on this. I want you to have it to make an informed decision. So what I'm going to do between now and next week's radio program, I want to go through 1 Thessalonians, and I want to look at every instance of the word spirit or Holy Spirit and see how Paul uses it. And I want to make sure I'm using it correctly, because if I think he's defining it one way there in verse 5, he hasn't changed the definition when he came to verse 6. It's the same. Otherwise, he would have told us that. So however you use it first and throughout the letter, that's how you're probably going to have to use it here. And so I want us to make sure we get this right. Right? I think so. So let's think about this. Pray about it. Read through First Thessalonians. Maybe join us tomorrow night here at the North Valley Church of Christ. And always redeem the time. Make the most of the opportunities God has afforded us. What a blessing he has given us here in this country with our health and life. And we need to make the most of it to his glory. What a blessing. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you tune in again next week here on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Thank you and God bless. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.